Welcome to the Caged Vision Show, where each week we talk about one thing, putting your vision to work. So whether you're the CEO of a large company, maybe an executive within a large company, maybe you're a small company, maybe you are an entrepreneur that is just getting started. Each of you has a vision for where you want to go in the future, and we talk about how to get there, how to put that vision to work. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Caged Vision Podcast with Carrie Rome and Lisa Beck Shuck. <laughs> does this we, make you happy? It, yeah, Beck it does. Shuck. I know it does. you want me to so, be Beck So Shuck. if you guys have watched Friday Fun Facts, Lisa got married and we have been talking about her, her new last name and how she's going to incorporate that new last name. And she went with this hogwash as a professional, or professionally, I think I'm going to keep Lisa Beck because that's what, it's like, I said, Lisa, it's not like you're a celebrity. And, you know, the people, it's not, the world is not like professionally. Okay, but, okay, so wait, I wait, wanted, wait, who wants to have their last name? I mean, I, I love my husband, but who wants to have their last name be Shuck? I mean, seriously, when you walk in and you have you, a reservation uh, you and the name is you, Shuck, I mean, why can't I just be Beck? I mean... Um, Personally, I, well, I'll be Shuck. I'll sign my name Shuck on the bank account and all that kind of stuff. But really, professionally, do I have to? Well, I think that sounds a bit defeatist from someone that's really, really specializes in branding. <laughs> you just haven't branded it the right way. I think that's why I wanted to go with Beck Shuck. Okay, we'll keep working on it. Hey, everyone, right. it's Carrie Rome and... Beck Shuck. Yeah, see, doesn't that sound just awesome? I guess. I mean, it does sound... I don't know. You really don't want me to tell you what it really sounds like, right? No, I don't, because I don't know where you're going with that. So anyway, and this is a clean show. We don't want to get ease. We've already done that We've once done or twice. We've done that once or twice. Okay, so today we are talking about... We're, we're building on top of a book that Lisa and I just absolutely love. It's called The Power of Habit, and I know we've incorporated that into a podcast in the past, probably... More than one, probably many. Probably. And uh, But today we are using the power of habit. We're going to talk about uh, the cue, the routine, and the reward that are associated with the power of habit and habit loops, as they're called. But we are going to do it through the lens of the customer journey and the customer experience. So if you own a business or if you've got a vision for a business, we want you to think about this in the context of your target customer and their journey, and their experience, the one that you want them to go on with you. Wow, that was a great setup. Was that good? It really was. Well, now we just have to, you know, like actually execute. Yeah, we can execute that. Yeah, we got this. So do you want to start with the idea of... Let's, the... let's, let's, let's give them, let's remind them of this habit loop thing. So the habit loop is that you do things in your daily life and routine and, and basically it's all a habit. And if you change your routine or your reward, then you change the habit. So the example that Charles Duhigg gives in the book initially is he used to eat a cookie every day at three o'clock. 
I mean, his cue was, it's 3 o'clock, I'm going to go eat a cookie. And his routine was to get that cookie and then go and socialize with others in the break room and around the office. And his reward was gaining 15 pounds. Well, that's really not the reward one wants. And so he started evaluating, really, what was the true reason why he was getting a cookie at 3 o'clock? And what he realized was that was because he needed a break and he needed to interact with people yeah and so go ahead if you no, no, no. His, his reward he thought his reward was the cookie right but it wasn't his reward was the interaction with people the cookie was just the routine it was the routine so by changing the routine in other words he didn't get a cookie anymore he got what did he get did he get an apple or something? Tea or but he lost something. that 15 pounds. He lost that 50 quick. pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, because he realized that what he was really doing was he needed to interact with yeah. he people. Need, he needed that interaction. Because he'd been working at his desk for a while, and he said, you know, that was it. The cue was, gosh, I've been doing this for a while. So let's just, there's three things in the in the habit loop. They talk about a cue, and that is the trigger that sets off the habit. And the routine is the action uh, triggered by the cue, the action that you actually take. And then the reward is um, the, what does that say? Reinforcement of the behavior. I wrote up on a whiteboard and I can't even read my writing sometimes. Pretty bad. Anyway, it's the reinforcement of the behavior. So as you think about this for your target customer, let's just take it one step at a time. And Lisa's got a really, really good example to sort of set the stage for this because you want to think about that when you when you're thinking about your target customer and the cue their cue what are they doing immediately before that cue that triggers a habit and so that's where you want to engage with them you want my shoe example yeah, I think okay. it's a good, that's, it's appropriate. Yeah, so if you think about the customer journey, the first thing that you have to do when you interact with a customer is attract, connect, and educate. Those are the first three stages in a customer journey. And so think about that as the cue. So it, it, I needed a new pair of shoes. My, needed? Yes, actually, I did need a new pair of shoes because I got married, so I needed a new pair of shoes to go with my dress. So there, I did actually need a new pair of I shoes. I think, uh, well, if we're being honest, I think you passed need a long time ago. Okay, fine. But okay. I wanted a new pair of spring shoes. Okay. Let's, Better said, yeah. Okay. And typically, my habit is, you know, I kind of look around, but I always end up going to Zappos and ordering a pair of shoes, and they appear, magically appear. The shoe fairy magically makes them appear two days later. However, because I'm on Instagram and I'm scrolling through, I see an Italian brand, um, M. Gemini. I think that's how you say it. I'm not really sure. It might be part of their strategies. We're going to make confusing names of people. And they're like, what are you talking about? And they go look up the name. Nice. Well done. I think that's a great marketing ploy. But I had looked at what they were doing on Instagram and and so as my cue, right, I have a trigger, I need slash want a new pair of shoes, they, through their marketing, attracted, connected, and began to educate me on their brand and why it was important and what made it different. And so I changed my routine based off of that and bought a pair of their shoes. And you did not buy them on Zappos? I did not. Did Zappos carry them? 
They do not. But if Zappos did... Would have gone to Zappos? I don't know because at that point, I really like working directly with small businesses. And so I probably would have gone with them if (laughs) I could go direct. So they they have now made you believe that they are small. They're not. But, you know, I like to go direct. It makes me feel better. (laughs) Um, But the reward is that I have a new connection to a different brand. So they successfully changed my habit of going directly to Zappos. And instead, when I need slash want shoes in the future, I'll probably go check them out as well. Oh, that's so that's good. But let's break it down a little bit. So Lisa's old cue was I need slash want a new pair of shoes. Her routine would be to go to Zappos and look through their inventory, whatever whatever yep. they have to offer. Their reward is Zappos is friendly and fast, and so yes. you get it quick, right? But what what this what this Instagram advertisement did for you is it associated you with a brand and style, and that is the piece that you talked about: the attract and connect and educate in such a way that it changed your routine. So that you now, now the reward is not only do I um, need slash want a new pair of shoes, but I feel more associated with a sense of style because I've seen the sense of style and have been educated on style. And so therefore the reward is I have a new pair of shoes that I need slash wanted and I feel more in style. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. So they did a brilliant job. They helped form an emotional connection. And I think that we tend to forget that sometimes. Um, Habits and routines are emotional. Just like Charles Duhigg realized it really wasn't the cookie. It was the emotional connection with other people in his office. I think we forget that sometimes is that to change a routine, part of that is you have to change that innate emotional connection. Okay, that is so brilliant. We need to to pause right there and, and... for if you're listening and you have a vision for your business, if you have an idea that you want to grow, what Lisa just said is fundamental in making sure you attract and retain the right target customer. If you can speak to them at that emotional point, if you can find that, you're going to win. You're going to win. What we're trying to describe is what happens before the emotion. The cue is before the emotion. The routine is where the emotion starts. It's the emotional response. It's the emotional response. It's the response response. to the cue, which is emotional. Yes, yes. So let's let's throw out a couple of examples. Uh, Obviously, we talk a lot about strategy. So an example of a cue, something that, that triggers a set of habit, as it relates to businesses and their strategy, could be, um, I don't have a strategy and I feel like I need one. It's somehow the fall and I feel like we need to do annual planning. Or you finished or accomplished a, a some strategic work and you feel like you need to do a refresh. Or there's been some major external or ex- uh, internal shifts or you have chosen as a leader, you've chosen proactively to grow or change your business. So those are things that happen right before this cue happens. The cue is probably one of three things. The first of which is you are going to go and search and seek out 
someone to give you great advice on how to do it better. The second is you're going to do what you've always done. And the third is you're going to find a distraction and you're not going to do anything. (laughs) And then next year there'll be another queue around the same time and you'll say it's annual planning and you might that's that's a negative habit. So we're not going to talk about that one. Um, but that is that is that is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about that routine. And Lisa, you talked about uh, sorry that cue. You talked about um, really specifically banks because banks, as it relates to strategy, have a very specific cue that is regulated. Correct. So banks are required by federal regulators to have a strategic plan, an annual strategic plan in place. And by the way, can we just pause and say, how dumb is that? What do you mean that's dumb? It's dumb to, to say you have to have a strategic plan. No, no, it's not. If it's, if you just have to have one. Why is this dumb? Because, okay, you tell me. Finish the story, and I'll tell you why it's done. Uh, all right, so they are required to have a strategic plan in place. What most banks, or for, I'm going to fast generalization, what most banks do is they have a strategic plan that is written at the board of directors level, right, the executive team level, with absolutely no... Uh, nobody really looks at to see if it's doable, possible, if you have the capacity, if you have the skill sets. Let's just throw a bunch of stuff on paper. Hey, we want to grow by 10%. Okay, without overthinking, what does that look like downstream in your branches and with your relationship managers? Then they go put it on a shelf. That's why I said it was dumb. Well, no, because I don't think it's dumb to make it a requirement. I think people need to learn how to implement a strategy. That would be of critical importance. So maybe the regulation is not that they need to have one, but that they need to learn how to implement it. I get the intent behind it, right? You, we could, most other businesses that aren't heavily regulated, either you have a strategy or you fail. And, <laughs> and, and, and I see how, you know, that kind of holds true in the financial world as well. No, I know, but they want to control that failure. So you introduce Have a regulation, you met a federal regulator. They want to control everything. That, that's my point. That's my point, but you can't. So what you get is an exercise in strategy that is just an exercise yes. in, a, in consuming binders. But banks that are truly looking at the future, do strata, have changed their routine based off of a cue. And some of their cues, although it's required, they might have other cues such as lagging deposit growth or lagging loan growth. And so now all of a sudden they're like, wait, we got to change our routine. We can't always do what we've always done so that we get a different reward. And so I think that the institutions that, from my perspective, it's not a matter of going up a level to the board of directors, but going down a level to the people who actually get stuff done. Um, Changing that routine is going to help you develop a strategy that the whole institution has, again, an emotional connection to, and the whole, we can get this done. 
Mm. So the reward then is actually achieving what you set out in your strategic plan. Oh, and gosh, the gap between, think about the exercise that's done, you put it on the shelf. Well, you will never, you will never have a reward because you didn't, you didn't do anything except for the exercise. It's, you know, it's kind of like well, I think we do how too rewarding much. is filling up your car with gas. I know. It's not very rewarding. But I also think they do too much. We all do too much. Yeah. You know, oh, we have to do these 110 things. Well, let's be <laughs> honest. It's not going to happen. No. You don't have the capacity to do that. I mean, which is why I love addicts so much because map it to the people, map it to the people and map it to their capacity level. And if you do that, then you actually have a snowball's chance in Haiti of reaching your um, objective. Yeah. So recently I had somebody talk to me and and I wrote a LinkedIn post on it. It was talking about bottom up strategy and this philosophy that as, as an organization, I think banks, there's a lot of banks that do this and, I think a lot of companies where they they believe they're going to set the North Star in a very high level. And then they have this bottom-up strategy, which means we are going to let ideas percolate up from the business. And then we are going to decide which ideas are good that we want to um, implement in order to execute and achieve our North Star, our vision. Um, the problem with that, from my perspective, and I have really, really strong feelings about this. The problem with that is it sounds so good, but most organizations don't have a very good filtering process, and then politics gets involved, and then the people with influence get the projects, and then you create silos, and those people build tiny kingdoms, and it turns into a big bureaucracy that was really never intended. So top-down, obviously, I'm a huge fan of, top-down, but pushing it down and letting everybody know their role, but then having a feedback loop up so that you actually understand, was this feasible? And then that is an iterative process. It just, it never stops. Um, that's just a, that that's a habit loop yes that we love to incorporate with addicts yes yeah because i think by doing that they change their routine and then they get a reward yes one last thing this one is one last example and i thought of chick-fil-a because um you know they're closed on sunday everyone knows that and and so when we take a family trip and we're driving, say, to Baton Rouge or to Memphis um, or to see family. And it's Friday. We are finding a Chick-fil-A because on Sunday when we come back, <laughs> we can't have one. That's awesome. So, so that, what do you do on Sunday? I think we just don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but the cue is this habit is it's, it's Friday and I can't get Chick-fil-A on Sunday. And so uh, the routine is we're going to go find a Chick-fil-A. And the reward is I got Chick-fil-A, <laughs> even though my kids, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm OK with it. But my kids just I mean, it's just amazing what they've created. I think that's a great example. So, maybe not. She's giving me this look. Lisa looks at me when she says great example. And she's got this furrowed brow that says uh, a lot. 
without using oh, words. Maybe I need like more Botox so that you can't see my brow furrowing. So that you. Won't I think know. your eyebrows almost connected. <laughs> like that's how you were like. That's dumb story, that's Carrie. I can't dumb. believe you told that. It's not dumb. It's a very simple example. I think it's wonderful. Well, you know, I do simple. I've got to get down to the basics. And I've got to do simple. I yeah. think that works. Hey, listen. We hope that you found this episode helpful. Um, think of your customer journey, the experience that you want to take them on through this Q routine reward habit and think about attracting them and connecting with them and educating them before that first trigger sets off their habit. We hope you found this as helpful and we're, we're here to build up confidence and continued encouragement and helping you unlock your vision. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 